All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. I imagine most of you have have been here before. You've hung out a bit. You know what's happening. You know who I am. You know what the deal is. You know whether or not I annoy you or whether or not you like me or whether or not, or whether or not I annoy you and you like me. You know these things. It's been a long time now that we've been hanging out. You and I and that guy. It's been a while that uh, we've all been here together, us and those two over there. It's been a, you know well over a decade, maybe 13 years almost, since we've all been just sitting around talking and, and those guys over there and that lady. All of us. Don't, don't alienate them just because they're weird. We're all fucking weirdos. Some people are toxic weirdos, though. I'd say the self-aware weirdos are where we're at. I think that's where we need to be. Self-aware weirdos, not toxic weirdos. Evil weirdos. You don't want to be an evil weirdo, do you? Do you? Today on the show, I talked to Jen Statsky. She is the uh, co-creator and showrunner and writer of the show Hacks on HBO. Uh, she used to write for Parks and Rec, The Good Place, Broad City, Lady Dynamite, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. She's a writer. She comes from uh, the Boston area. So that Jen's going to be here as a nice conversation, heavy. Uh, I'll just I'll, I'll tease it a little bit from here. Uh, only child. And, you know, I, I get a little curious about only children. But besides that, tomorrow night, I'll be in Durham, North Carolina at the Carolina Theater, then Charlotte, North Carolina on Saturday at the Knight Theater. And on Sunday, I am in Charleston, South Carolina at the Charleston Music Hall. Go to WTFPod.com slash tour for all dates and ticket info. I am exhausted. It's weird because I was walking with Kevin Nealon and um, I just, I'll be honest with you. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't want to tip it, but I did uh, Kevin Nealon's hikey show. I, I don't even know if he was able to uh, get what we needed. He, you know, it took him, he'd been bothering me about this for months to do the hike show where we walk and, and he's, uh, he's got a camera on a thing, on a selfie stick, and we do a little interview and we hike outdoors. So I had him come over on to this side of the place. We go up to the hike up here and it's midday because he had to do something with his kid and you know it was hot. We were sweating. He'd forgotten the batteries that he had charged for the camera. We didn't know if that was going to hold up. He's got a drone. I've never worked with a drone before. It's very exciting. I, exciting in the way that like, what am I, seven can I use the? Can I play with it? Can I play with it? Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I control it? I didn't say that, but that was going on inside of me. It's kind of exciting to see the drone. But he was a, you know, he's a one man show. The this kneeling guy with the camera and the drone, and we're doing stuff and we're talking. And it was nice. It was good to see him. He's a funny guy. It was funny to see him wrestling with a drone and dealing with the aggravation of being his own production team. That was funny. I don't know that he would see it that way. I, I found it to be amusing. He kept saying, thank you for being patient. And I kept thinking, no, this is the, the funniest thing I've seen in months. But um, he said, you know, what, what, is, what is the most, most exciting thing you've done in your life? And, you know, it's like there's so many exciting things and I, I, so many exciting things. And it's sort of a day to day thing. I've had a great some great accomplishments. But like, to be honest with you, day before yesterday or two days ago, I watched some of an Altman movie with uh, Kit. And then there was some really connected, good sex. And then after that, it was like, let's walk to Baskin and Robbins and have an ice cream cone. 
And that was like the best ice cream cone I can remember having in my adult life. Is that weird? And the sex was good too. The movie, not great. Uh, it was Buffalo Bill and the Indians and we didn't get far into it. It was okay, but I think it requires some patience we didn't have. But that ice cream cone, it was just a, a chocolate dipped waffle cone with a scoop of vanilla and a scoop of uh, gold medal, uh, whatever that's. And I don't, go, who goes to Baskin Robbins that often? But the weird thing is I'm of a certain age when I remember when Baskin Robbins was the ice cream place. That was it. That was like, we're going to go to get ice cream out at Baskin Robbins. I think if you're on the East Coast, you had a friendlies here and there. But where I lived, uh, Baskin Robbins, and it's lit the same way and it's set up the same way. And right when you walk in and it smells the same, there's that there's that journey back. And the woman who was there was giving me these scoops that were monstrous. Like I was watching her scoop and I had a moment where I was like, yeah, I think that's it. I, but I stifled that immediately. I was like, all right, that's what you're going to do. We're going to go. We're going to do it. And I'll eat fucking all of that. But it was just that kind of sex ice cream combo. I mean, that's all you got for me. I'm not a drug person. So you're going to you're dealing with uh, you're dealing with caffeine. You're dealing with uh, uh, endorphins released during sex and you're dealing with sugar. And that was just, uh, you know, they were all going and it was uh, was magical. This is a this is not an ad for Baskin Robbins. So look, I'm experimenting. I, I have this list I wrote down on a piece of paper. It just says trauma, tolerance, empathy. Interesting list. I know I could explain it more, but I've been experimenting with uh, being empathetic for the worst of us, with the worst of us, because some of the worst of us, some of the broken-minded um, grievance and blame junkies uh, who are moving this country more towards something that uh, no longer resembles a democracy. I'm not being political here. I'm just saying I'm trying to be empathetic because like, it'd be hard for me to be totally empathetic with someone who grew up in India because I don't know what that experience is. But I grew up with these fucking fascists. They were my neighbors. They're the kids I knew in school. We're all of the same. But And I understand the thinking. I want to believe things. I want to believe things. I make connections. I make connections of things that happened to me in almost a conspiratorial, mystical way. But I know myself. I am self-aware. Of, of the way my brain works and how it's broken and whether and when I have to say no to my mind. Sometimes my mind does things and I'm like, no, we're not doing that. Nope, you stop it right now, mind. You stop it right now. We won't have any of that shit. That goes nowhere good, brain. Nowhere good. But I get it. I get it. Look, man, I've been having some shit go down over here. There's some signs. There's some moments. There's some indicators. If I want to look at them like that, right? I mean, you guys know, I had a coyote in the yard the other day, hanging out, just sleeping, looking at me. What's a coyote mean? What does it mean? Look it up. What does a coyote mean? Spiritual, mystical, Native American. Could mean good, could mean bad, could mean you know something uh, is going to happen that you don't expect at all. Could mean a lot of things. All those things could happen also without the coyote. But let's just assume that the coyote is an indicator. Then a couple days, uh, maybe the next day, I thought the coyote ate the rabbit. The rabbit had not been eaten. The rabbit was just sitting there on my stoop. The rabbit. So there's a coyote visitation. There's a rabbit visitation. All right? Do you understand what's happening? It's all happening. 
These, you know, what does that mean? What does the rabbit mean? Why do they too? Why is there so many birds around? What's with the bird nests? Why, what are they trying to communicate? Why is my house surrounded by electric wildlife? And then I went on a hike the other day and I got stung by a fucking bee. I got stung by a bee. What is that about? I can't even remember the last time I got stung by a bee. It's kind of like the Baskin Robbins thing. It happens when you're a little kid. It's very consistent, but I wasn't allergic. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't start choking or breaking out in hives, but I got stung by a bee and I knew it was a bee. And I, I reached around my back and I fucking, I was like, I felt it and I grabbed the bee and then I saw it crawling on my leg with a big um, kind of string of ooze from its ass because, you know, it done its duty. It done its job. It made its kamikaze mission on my back to no end. It meant nothing, right? To the, I mean, what a waste of a stinger. Here's the point. What does it mean? Coyote plus rabbit plus bird plus you know, getting stung by a bee. How does it all come together? Well, I know the answer isn't the Jews are in on it. Okay? That's what I'm saying. Had nothing to do with the Jews. I'm a Jew. Maybe I'm being targeted somehow. But see, even that's a fucking stretch. The point is, if you're going to string together a bunch of random things, even if they seem like they sound like they make sense and they could be connected, it's just an attempt to have a context, to have an explanation, to have some sort of chain of events that explains things, but may be completely disparate and have nothing to do with each other and also could be complete bullshit. And the Jews had nothing to do with it. That's all I'm telling you. Like maybe some Native American spirits for me, but I mean, rethink it. No brain, no, those aren't connected things. They have no meaning whatsoever. Hey, brain, I just put a bunch of bullshit into your engine. Disregard, disregard the bee sting, the coyote, the rabbit, the birds, all right? The Jews will not replace me because I'm a Jew, right? That's what the bee said to me. Look. Hey, listen, it was great talking to Jen uh, Statsky. It was because uh, I don't talk to a lot of writers specifically about writing and where they come from. And, yeah, it, but it was it, it was good and it was uh, enjoyable. And I like the show. It's weird because as a comic, you don't know if you're going to like a show about comics because usually you don't. But they were very specific about how about the life of this particular comic and the backstory. And it, it was I think on the money and remains on the money in a lot of ways. As a comic, I'm not thinking like, this is bullshit. So anyways, season two of Hacks just finished. You can watch both seasons on HBO Max. This is me talking to the co-creator of that show, uh, Jen Statsky. like Los Angeles? I do. I mean, like, I, I now I'm I'm used to it, you know? Yeah. I, I'm an East Coaster, and I, I do... Where? Uh, From? Right outside Boston. Where? Milton. I went to school in Milton. You did? 
Curry College. You went to Curry College? For a year. No way. I did. I went to Curry College for a year. I was a, uh, uh, my summer camp where I worked was at Curry College. What kind of summer camp? It was a YMCA day camp where I was a counselor and that we used the grounds of Curry. No kidding. so funny that you went to Curry. I was there. Yeah. I was there for, I kind of, I kind of blew it in high school and I I scrambled (laughs) my senior year. I decided I got to go somewhere. And I ended up at Curry, and I don't. I, yeah, I have memories of it pretty good. I mean, yeah. it was okay. I don't remember learning anything, yeah. but I remember. <laughs> you what? went to BU though, right? Was yeah, it, you for, did a year there. I went then... to Curry for a year, and then I did four more at BU. Yeah, the five-year program. Yeah, I did the sure. five-year program. Want to take that last year kind of easy? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but Milton, that's pretty fancy. You Isn't know, it? it's it is fancy. There's a very fancy private school there, Milton Academy. Right. Which I drove through the grounds on my way to public school. <laughs> I did not go to Milton Academy. I went to public school in Milton. But Milton is a weird there's half of the town that is like super fancy, right. super wealthy yeah. and then there's another half that is is not really i mean i haven't listen i haven't lived there in a long time a long time but that's i was what probably was in like school there before you were born <laughs> i let's see i, I got, was there 81 82 that's when i was in milton okay i was born in 85 okay so, so we, i just missed you just missed each other <laughs> would have been fun would have been yeah, fun yeah. to hang <laughs> But then it was all like it was like a few miles away from Mattapan, right? Didn't you just yeah, drive very sh- close to Mattapan, yeah. I just don't. I kind of. Uh, I just remember it was a big deal to like. It wasn't. You you had this idea that when going to school in Boston, mm-hmm. but it it was a schlep. Yeah, it's not like you just go to Boston. No, it was far. Public transportation was not great. And to so out it's, to Milton. Yeah, it's, yeah, it wasn't an easy thing to just. Even though Milton is 15 minute drive into Boston, as a kid, the public transportation was not great. So, like, I didn't get to go into Boston a yeah. ton. I did because my dad is from Southie and is very really you know, yeah. So we would. What's his story? He he was a from is Southie? he still is he's alive. Uh, yeah, from Southie. Irish guy? No, Polish. Polish Catholic. Huh. Uh, and that was happening in Southie. Yeah, there's like a small Polish population in Southie, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, he born and raised in Southie. His wow. p- parents own like a corner store. Uh, very very working class. Like yeah. didn't finish high school. Yeah, became a building inspector for the city of Boston. Your dad did. Yeah. And did he talk like he was from Southie? He has a crazy thick <laughs> accent. Like <laughs> so thick that when my when I moved into NYU my freshman year, the roommate who I was assigned to couldn't understand him really yeah he he came in and she had a photo that she had put up of her and her boyfriend i guess yeah. at the time and he was like ah is that your hugger is that your hugger and, and i was and she looked at him and i was like he's saying is that your hugger which is like you know it's like southie they have all these like weird terminology some, boston slang is the weirdest it's really weird but he's yeah. so that like there's like jimmy's for your yeah, ice cream. Yeah, which is not, which apparently is yeah. a, a racist what? term. That is it not, really? Yeah. I, th- I, yeah, I had no idea. Not, but, but that's Boston for you. There's so much yeah. stuff we grew up and with. There was that. Some other one, there was some other one that was weird for soda. Or so, I can't remember. I can't, uh, like there was, yeah, it's like the fighter. So your dad was in. It's like, very, the, like all those cliche Boston movies I watch and I'm like, this is exactly exa- They get it right? Yeah, they do. They yeah. really do get it. Do you judge right. the uh, actors who do Boston accents pretty harsh? <laughs> Um, it's a tough one. It's man. a tough one. It I would turn down one. a role if I was expected to do yeah. that. Yeah. Do you think? How is your Boston accent? I could probably do it. I can't drop right into it, but I'd yeah. have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I spent an, I spent a bit of time there. 
Yeah, it's. I don't judge it too harshly, but yeah. it does very much stick out to me when there's sort a bad of annoying. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, I was there for a long time. I was in Somerville, and I it had definitely had a, a profound impact on me. I grew to resent. Uh, New England townies fairly deeply. <laughs> well, that's kind of my experience too. Is that even though I'm from there and I do have some, you know, real affection, I, some of my best friends still live there, sure. and we're, I the thing about it, the chip on the shoulder is a very real thing for people in Boston. I don't exactly know why, but I felt that very strongly. Like, you know, they just have it. They just have it. I don't know what. I it wonder is. if it's an Irish thing. It might be because. There's, it might be. It's just some sort of extension of the general historical chip on the Irish shoulder. Yeah. It's just sort of the American version of it. It might be. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Because Milton, where I grew up, yeah. had the highest per capita Irish Catholic population I in thought America. I say chip on the shoulders. The highest per capita. <laughs> yeah. They did a study and the highest <laughs> per capita chips. chips on shoulders. <laughs> oh, so it was Irish mostly? Super Irish. Super Irish Catholic. Yeah. It's so odd to that I had this... Like, I got very... Like I started doing comedy there and I spent a lot of time there and I began... I, I got kind of a, afraid of them. Yeah. Of like, you know, the Boston Irish uh, because they were intense and it yeah. was scary. And it was weird because the first time I went to Ireland, I saw a lot of Irish people that looked much like mm-hmm. the Irish in Boston. So I was naturally kind of nervous. PTSD, but they're also, yeah. But they're also sweet there. Yeah, they're like, very, yeah, as I've been to like, Ireland, they're the sweetest people. But they look the same as the, <laughs> in the ones in Boston, don't they? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for it's, sure. It freaked me out. But it's, it's a love-hate thing for me because the chip on the shoulder bothers me. But then at the same time, there's a toughness there that I sure. genuinely love. Oh, and yeah, and they're characters with. too. Yeah, like, yeah. Your dad sounds like one of those He's characters. An absolute character. Yeah. They're not hiding much. I mean, they're no. not. They're you know very forward yeah. facing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about your mom? Is she from there? She. So my mom was from High Park. Do you know High Park? Yeah. It's like yeah. Um. So she. Kind of. I mean, my mom was. She passed away a few years ago. Uh, no. Sorry. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, not men like a yeah, pretty mentally ill to be honest. Oh, like, really? Yeah. 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 Heard mm. my dad had a very uh, not ideal relationship, though married to the day she died. No kidding. Like yeah. what? Like what do you mean mentally ill? Like what kind? She like pretty like. As I got older, yeah. she kind like it was kind of an agoraphobia. Yeah. Oh, it was really? kind of like a not leaving the house. Oh, like, so, you, so the family didn't quite identify it as mentally ill until retrospect? Or? No, no, I'm identifying it, but yeah. I'm the only one. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> my dad, you know, uh, again, a character, but there is no uh, discussion of feelings oh, the, or no or, emotional language no, other than yeah. uh, excitement and it, anger. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> so it's and, I, and I'm an only child, so yeah, it's yeah. like that fun. I'm the only one living oh, really? in, in reality oh, in right. some degree. Oh, and, and so your mom was just a little freaked out. Yeah, she was just a you know, there was definitely undiagnosed like bipolar or dep- oh, my God. something going yeah. on where it was, yeah, it was just not, wow. not so you, the best. And you're the only one. You were the only child. I'm the only child, and, yeah. And you had to get out. Because it's so weird. I was watching uh, that. I finally got around to uh, watching some of that George Carlin doc oh, last yeah, I night. I didn't watch it yet. Well, there's just some like he's Irish New York, you mm-hmm. know, and there there's something about that that capacity to stuff feelings. Yeah, that seems to be a Catholic thing, uh, certainly an Irish Catholic thing. I don't want to generalize, but no, you know, it's super. It's and he was highly bad. aware of it and still couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, it's very you know the being taught the language of of feelings and how yeah. to talk about these things is, is very 
it's very rare and it's it's only a recent thing yeah. i think and so yeah i mean i don't know how are you at it i'm i've had to get good at it because yeah. i had to it was such a kind of fraught uh zero through 18 you know that yeah. once i left i was like oh i really you were like you were, were not socialized <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah but like i i was like i was like oh i need i need therapy pretty, you're like pretty bad a, a feral catholic like from <laughs> just being in the house you didn't know how yeah. to yeah i had to be socialized put in a pen with other <laughs> other animals to socialize other emoting people yeah I uh, yeah, and I don't know. Like I, you know, just talking about, it, I'm not sure how good I am at communicating it. I, I think I'm like uh, I'm more of I'm like okay, I'm okay, mm-hmm. good. But there are people I talk to. I yeah, mean, I, you only need a couple, right? You can't just run around no emoting no, no, all the time. No, no, that wouldn't be good either. No. Yeah, my brother's like that. We were just sort of like, dude, just keep some of it in. <laughs> talking to the waitress. Yeah, yeah. just too much. Like, yeah. Well, my dad was terrible. <laughs> uh, what are the specials? Yeah, that's my brother. <laughs> so you were just there in the house. Did it, how, were you you needed to get out i imagine yeah i was very you know my my dad worked a lot he was a yeah. he was a building inspector like i said but he also was a bartender and just like she also goes, i think you know did he work at a bar called patty's he I'm worked sorry. he <laughs> he worked at am ryan's okay Am Ryan's in South Boston, if mm. anyone's listening. I don't so know. he stayed in there. He lived in Milton. So, and so that's the thing is that he lived, we lived in Milton. Yeah. They moved there and I think probably because the schools were better and stuff. But yeah. like he never left behind that Southie boy thing, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like. So he knew the Bulger brothers and grew up with all that shit. Yeah, he grew up with all that. Uh, he like a couple of. A co- did like, you watch Black Mass? That's a good question. I gotta ask. Him. <laughs> like a couple years ago, like a, a this was so bizarre. I still yeah. don't understand how it happened. Like a a, a postmate came to my door. Yeah. We order, I yeah. ordered food, and my husband was like, "Hey, uh, Jen, the postmate wants to talk to you." And I was like, "Wants to talk to me? Well, he's got questions about the order. What yeah. are we talking about?" And it was this guy that my dad had. Like, I guess you know, my dad spent a lot of time around the the projects in Southie and he was kind of like this surrogate father figure I guess to guys there and this guy who actually was part of Mark Wahlberg's like entourage uh-huh. he's sort of the group of guys that entourage sure. then was based on yeah was telling me that my dad used to like come and pick them all up in his truck and he was like yeah these guys didn't have shoes and your dad took us to buy sneakers and <laughs> and I'm just like Thank you for my food. (laughs) (laughs) And I still happened in LA. That happened in LA, and I don't know. And it's a it's that really interesting thing, right? Of like he wasn't super present for me in the ways I wish he had been. Yet I'm hearing about this whole other right, right, the the street thing, the street thing. Yeah, I think the pull of that was hard for him to shake. Yeah, and I I get there's an understanding. I mean, he must have been, I don't know, maybe he was just baffled. By a daughter, I think he. Yeah, I think I think he was he was baffled by my mom and how to like uh, maybe handle that, and then probably baffled by a daughter, yeah. and and baffled by the idea of marriage, and you know, it it didn't seem like he got it or wanted to get it. Huh? It just all happened. It happened, and then he'd yeah. go back to Southie yeah. and work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he yeah, just yeah. felt. But I had a second life out in the suburbs. Yeah, for for years, I was like, "Do I have a sister, or brother? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Maybe I still do." But, Is he um, still around? You did. Yeah, he's still around. He's still around. And you guys get on all right? We get on all right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's there's there's you know. Yeah, 
I do. Yeah. You know, you go through periods. Yeah. And then yeah. they get really old if you're lucky. Yeah. And then you kind of got to go suck it up and deal with them. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I just, so growing up, you know, it was, it, it was a lot of me alone watching TV. Honestly. So you did that? Were you, you know, so you're kind of the latchkey, watch the comedy person? Watched a lot of TV. Also just like leaned, I think the lack of kind of structure that way made me lean super hard into like achievement and school like, and just became like hyper focused on that stuff oh yeah but yeah. were you like a comedy person yeah i was i was i wasn't doing comedy no, but, but I, when you were a kid were you watching it were i you? loved it yeah oh, i yeah. was watching like nick at night mary tyler moore show was like my thing really that, was, that was, was the thing i was obsessed yeah i was that that was a huge influence on me so oh, yeah. i was watching a ton of comedy and then when I got to New York, when I went to NYU, I started discovering more like watching standups I loved and watching, you know, doing UCB and stuff. So wait, so when you graduate, you went to high school and you didn't do anything there? You didn't do any performing? Or I didn't anything? do any performing or comedy there. I, I like wrote, I was an editor for like the school newspaper and I like wrote- Breaking the big stories? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of the Woodward and Bernstein of Milton High School. No, I, I was doing like, a, like looking back, they were- humor columns yeah. if we I'm using quotes around humor but so you did but looking yeah. back like you don't remember in the in the moment writing things that were f supposed to be funny I don't think so no like is that <laughs> is that weird like I don't think I knew at the time yeah. that I liked comedy or that I was trying to that, do comedy that, it was that just, was your angle yeah exactly yeah um but yeah that was kind of what I I, I wrote for the paper things like that that was the closest I got to any sort of comedy in high school and you like, like you've created this picture for me that uh, you, you had friends and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the home life seemed a little dark. The, the home life is a little dark. The the I had wonderful best friends who who were really like surrogate family to me, who are still you know some of my closest friends. Some they are still my best friends. Oh yeah. Uh, and but but yeah, the, the it was an interesting kind of there was this like home life thing happening and there were no one really got what was going on with it and it was a very like i think i also used humor in that way sure. very common thing kids do of like no, no no pay attention to this i'll be funny or i'll do this as yeah. to distract from what's going on were you afraid here. to bring people home yes i w i wasn't allowed to bring people home by who by my mom oh yeah. was that a germ thing or part of the agoraphobia it was a, thing, it was or? a it was she was so hyper it was agoraphobia but she was so hyper focused on um appearances yeah. she was very a big part of how her agoraphobia developed over the years was she was super she would spend hours like putting on makeup and uh. like caring a lot about appearance and so it was very tied to like oh the house it's about how the house looks and oh, wow. things have to look so right had, it sounds like ocd too huh i think some ocd yeah wow. yeah um so it was very but then there was also, you know, there were, they, the, my parents, they got into fights where like the cops would come. And so oh it my was, God. it was. No booze, just weirdness. There was, uh, there was booze. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that was also part of it. Of like, The neighbors would call? Or? Exactly. Yeah. Uh. That's the worst. And then, you know, your neighbors who were kids at school with you. And so it was, it was kind of, it created this need in me to deflect, you know, go like, no, 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 look at me being funny or yeah, look yeah, at me yeah. doing well in school. Look at me doing sports, sure. something like that. Just kind of get into the control your life mode. Exactly. Chaos. Yeah. Chaos. Yeah. Chaos, I think 
kind of from talking to people who grew up in similar yeah. things, like you either go towards more chaos or, or you, you go, go hyper opposite right. control. And I went very yeah, much so it's towards like booze. control. Guys, you know, people who grew up in boozy, crazy homes. Yeah. Either they go boozy or they yeah, <laughs> exactly. like never touch the shit. Right. Oh, exactly. Well, whatever, uh, uh, whatever, something picked the right one. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you got lucky. Uh, you know, who knows how that can go? Yeah, yeah. It, it's. I mean, it's a. It's a more inward turmoil. I think the I, control route. Then. I guess that's true. I guess like yeah. If you don't need the attention, you know, or you don't seek it, like, yeah, in that way of like, oh, I'm crazy. Right, right, yeah. right. It's yeah. So you went. To, you got into NYU. And got that's into a- NYU. Yeah, I want. I really wanted to go to New York. My dad had taken me to New York, and we had spent some like a weekend there and did I, you know you wanted to uh, study theater or art or whatever i knew i wanted to i knew i wanted to write i yeah. i was when i got there i was thinking maybe more journalism oh really yeah and i i did a few journalism classes uh the first like not funny year bored out of my skull <laughs> so boring yeah, uh yeah. and and so then i also was had loved television and so started taking film and tv classes and that's sort of just, where to, check, I, just to see just to see yeah how just it felt. to see and that felt much more correct how did that start like what are those classes like at, at nyu when you like you when you're just sort of like oh i'm gonna take a film and tv class there i mean some of it is like theory just like watching films and talking about them sure. and then and then you get into the more like doing short film making short films oh, with so other people in the class quickly? happens pretty quickly it happens the second year of the program that you're making like short films so you were able to see like pretty quickly that like oh this is how this stuff is made yeah yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it does throw you in to it pretty quickly of like okay go make a thing and go screen it for the class and did get feedback things? on it i did yeah i, I learned it also was Are a learning hilarious <laughs> they're really good i've been asking my agents to <laughs> get them out find there. a platform yeah, yeah. i know <laughs> i just won an emmy but could you get that short out <laughs> That I did it in my year. <laughs> yeah. That I shot in Washington Square Park with stop action. Yeah. No, but they were, it was instructive. I remember, I mean, God, if I watch them now, I'd be horrified, <laughs> of course. But I do remember, like, you had to make like three or four short films, like, for the, it was a class called Sight and Sound. Yeah, yeah. And you had to make four films. And I did like three that were like funny, supposed to be funny. And then uh, the fourth one, I remember the teacher said, why don't you challenge yourself and do something that's more dramatic, not comedy? And I was like, sure. And I did it, and it was something where this couple was—I uh, don't—I don't even remember exactly. Yeah. But but he—they're like playfully flirting in the street, and then his hat gets tossed, and he goes into the street to get his hat, and he gets hit by a car. Wow! You and might... the whole class burst out into laughter because <laughs> it was just—I think maybe they were like, "She makes the funny things. This is hilarious," or, or maybe it's objectively so funny because it's so insane. Yeah. Um, but that's so funny. That was your idea when you said to be more ex- dramatic, exactly. Like, no problem. No. <laughs> you want drama? He dies going to get his hat. Yeah. And just leaves her standing there. Exactly. She sees was, the whole thing. It was so bad. It was so bad. But it did make me go like, I guess I'll just lean into this other. <laughs> but I, it's so funny that people would assume like that a teacher, like comedy is the hard thing. Yeah. You yeah, know, drama. Like I mean, it's it's. Not I don't that know. It, that drama was hard for me. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I came up with yeah, the guy with running that. in the sure, street. Sure, but I mean, I, I guess it, I, it just seems like a. There's a lot more options. Yeah. With drama. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and and that comedy, you got to be. It's you got to. It's got to be funny. Yeah, I do think that sometimes when we're when I'm writing, 
you know, the, there is this natural barometer of like, okay, is this scene funny? Yeah. And I do sometimes wonder if you're writing a drama, I guess it's just, is this scene interesting? Is yeah, this we, scene... If you're like, can we take this joke out? Is it like, <laughs> it's not reading right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's almost like, I don't know if it's the opposite, but yeah, things gotta, they gotta uh, um, land differently. Right. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but there's a lot of drama, at least in Hacksers. Yeah, no, there is, there is. So where does that take you? Where does NYU like? Where do you land? Who were like who like in these movies? There, were there any people in your class that we know actors? I always like hearing when they're oh yeah actors in 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 short films were sort of like um, yeah John Turturro did my short film. <laughs> my short. No, no one that was like in my shorts. I was oh. the same year as some. Some like uh, like the Olsen twins and Lady Gaga were my year. Really? Yes. Yeah, Did so you know Lady Gaga? I I hung out with her a couple times. We were like in the we had we had a friend in common. Yeah. And and so we were in the same like circle. So I've been at the same like What's hangout her as her, uh, Stephanie Germanata. Yeah. Uh, but never really had like one-on-one interaction, and I'm going to assume she doesn't know that me. you hung out with her. I'm going to. But what was that, she yeah. doing there? She was singing. She was singing. Yeah. Do you she remember singing. singing her? Uh, did you um, see her singing? I remember her performing at the bitter end. Yeah. You do. Yeah, because uh, the the our connection was this guy Alex, who was a friend or like friendly with the group of guys I was hanging with, and he was her uh, either drummer or guitarist mm. in that band. Yeah. Oh, in college. In college, now, yeah. Like, were you? Because she's kind of amazing, right? She's incredible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you when you go to see her in college? Did you yeah. know? Did you sense? That? You were like, "There's something incredibly special about this person." Really? Like, you, that... do, you do just, you know, you, sometimes there's people you're like, "Oh, I didn't realize they were going to be something," but the, but she that her voice alone, it's hard to not. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's something incredibly it's so funny. special here. In yeah. comedy, it's always sort of like, that guy? <laughs> you never, never. That is true. Rarely that... do you see the gift. Right. But it's... do you think that's because we are comedians, so we're bringing something else to it? Or do you, like, because I can look at a musician and have that feeling yeah, with no attachment sure. to it. But I or wonder if. Even an actor, in right. a way. Yeah. No, because comedy, you know, comedians have to, some guys get funny. I mean, you got to figure it out for yourself. I mean, a lot of times, right. like first five years you're kind of this unformed thing as yeah. a stand-up and you're kind of doing like your version of somebody else or a number of people or mm-hmm. but it takes a while for people to kind of like step into themselves yeah because i think not unlike music only you know it's a different skill you know you gotta it takes a while to become who you are right to have right. a voice yeah yeah whereas and, an actor you know you just got to be whatever that is right you have to be present with <laughs> yeah. what you're given yeah, yeah. for a script yeah and you're also I, I've always been very struck by that thing people say that, that when you first start out you're kind of just imitating the people who you love sure. and, and admire and it does it inadvertently takes a in a way yeah inadvertently and then you have to kind of lock into your own voice oh yeah when I was coming up there was about a dozen Dave Attells around and then there was there was like there was a handful of Hedbergs. It just mm-hmm. kind of yeah. You saw certain people who had distinct voices. Yeah, you know, ripple through the newbies. Right. I have right. no idea what's going on out there now. All I know is there's a <laughs> lot of them, <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure that they're all funny. Right. Do you do you try to keep up with it or you... I can't. I mean, I go like I go work. I mean, I work at right. the comedy store, you know, every, yeah. most of the nights I'm home. Yeah. So if people are coming through there, I see right. them. But I'm not going to Mike's uh-huh, and I'm not right. to, <laughs> to yeah. see uh, who the comers are, you know? Sure, sure. And I, I'm always, I, and I guess I could watch more special, more specials. I don't, and I tend to be yeah. a, a bit of a cranky old guy. I get that. When it, you know, I'll mm-hmm. watch five minutes and be like, nah, not mm-hmm. going to, can't right. do it. Right. Not ready. <laughs> 
So what was your uh, first gig coming out of there? How, what did it set you up to do? So so we so I yeah I went to NYU did film and TV and then I uh, uh, when I graduated I had been an intern at the Onion. Um, you know, what the, version of that? Who was there? Who was running the place? So it was. Was Hanson still there? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, wait, Todd Hanson? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, so I was an intern, not for the paper, even though I ended up writing headlines for the paper. But I was an intern for their like web video department. Um, so that relatively new department when you were there? Yeah, it was pretty new that yeah. they were bought by someone who said like, "Oh, you should start doing web videos." Oh, so that must have been right when they were bought. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I was an intern there and met some people there. And so my my first year out of NYU, I was like, I worked at a coffee shop. Where? What uh, one? Gray Dog Coffee. Oh, yeah? Where's yeah. that? Down on? It's in a bunch of... When I was there, they had like three locations. Or Is there one in Soho? Yeah. There was yeah. one in Soho. There was one in I think the I West just saw Village. It. It's still there, right? Yeah, they have a they have a few. They're still yeah. there. I haven't been in forever, but uh, there was one in University Place uh, by Union Square. There was one in West Village, one in Chelsea, one in Soho. How's the Onion work? How did that work over there? So it was, it was in terms of writing. Yeah, it was for me as a. I don't know exactly how it worked with the editorial like people oh. who were on staff, but yeah. I was a freelance headline writer, which meant every week you would send in like I don't know twenty five. So they're almost like just writing jokes. Yeah, just so, writing jokes. And someone else would fill in the text? Yes, the I think the I think the actual staff writers were the ones writing the stories, whereas freelance writers like myself were just sending in headlines. Oh, so that's where it starts. It can all start with the headline, then you exactly. just fill it in. Exactly, and I'm sure those writers were pitching like, oh, this is the headline and the full piece, but, but for me, it was just headlines. You would huh. send in every week, and then you would... You know, get it sent back to you of what they chose or didn't. That's exciting. It was because I was a, I was a huge Onion fan, like as a NYU kid, and so it, it was very exciting when they had the boxes all over New York and yeah, you could just go get a free yeah, Onion. I it know. was pretty funny. It, huh? was re- it was very funny. Very and very funny. What was the video trip? So then the video trip was they hired um, this guy Will Graham yeah. uh, to run their web videos, and it was basically the kind of the same you know humor and and brand of. Of the Onion, but done with, you know, yeah. under the guise of a news network, right. Onion News Network. Oh, and right. So, I kind of remember that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what we were going for. I kind of remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I miss everything, though. I know. Yeah. And so basically, I did that. I was an intern there. I worked at a coffee shop for like a year. I I was doing a bunch of comedy in different ways. I was doing improv and sketch and even trying stand up, which I was very bad at. Where, where were you doing the improv and sketch? Uh, UCB. Taking classes? Taking classes at UCB. With who? Doing, oh man, I'm trying to think of, uh, Bobby Moynihan was my oh, yeah. my first teacher. Oh, he really? great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wonderful guy. Um, Shannon O'Neill. Um but taking classes and then doing like a at the old one, the theater that used to be the exactly dir- oh, the yeah. theater in Chelsea, um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. going there a ton, like the dirty theater, it used to be dirty, dirty under the grocery store, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but seeing a ton of comedy there, just like so, so much improv. Who was that at it then? Who were the big names? The who, big names. Who surfaced out of that period? <laughs> well, the was the, it the Krolls and the and the Kroll, Aziz? And, yeah, Kroll Aziz, yeah. Jeselnik. I remember seeing a bunch. They had like doing a stand-up? yeah, doing stand up. They had a Monday night show called Whiplash, where I remember sure, seeing Whiplash Jesel- is still around. Is Whiplash still around? I think it might still be yeah. around. Yeah. Um, I would go every Monday. I saw Mulaney. I think sure. Um, yeah. Mer- like 
but the, the you know I was such a huge Amy Poehler fan so uh-huh. it being her theater and the chance to like go on Sunday night for ASCAT and see like her did you see her yeah 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 and Tina and yeah. like those people were like that was to me the, so the what coolest year is that? thing I mean gosh 2007 I, I was in college 2004 to, the, to 2008 Okay. All right. And the stand-up thing you didn't take? God, no. <laughs> it's so hard, but you man. You tried, huh? It's so hard. I give you a lot of credit. You, gave, you gave it a whirl? Gave it a whirl. It just wasn't... It's so... It was so lonely to me. Yeah. I really like collaborating. I really like working with it's other people. It's a healthier people. thing. And I think uh, your, your longevity and your odds are better when you collaborate as opposed guess, to just being yeah. a stubborn idiot who <laughs> goes by... Goes it alone. <laughs> You know, it definitely limits your possibilities. Yeah. But I, I, you know, it's also like some of my favorite comedians like are stand-ups. And I, and I, what they do is so special and important. So I, I, I commend the art form. It is just not for me because it's yeah. too hard. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, what was it hard for you exactly? Because like, you, you probably could write jokes, right? Yeah, I, I was writing. It was very like one line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's just figuring out how who's delivering them. Yeah, I think what it was, and I really didn't even give it that much of a try. I think like, I don't know. I think the level to probably what it is is like, we're all working out our sure. our shit through very every yeah. part of our life. And like, I think growing up the way I did, I was looking more for structure and, and family and oh, people right. that way. That makes sense. And so even though I do think there is a stand-up community and, uh, you know. It's forced upon us. <laughs> a reluctant stand-up <laughs> yeah, community. Yeah. Like, I really think what I needed more than anything was people, this surrogate kind of family, people sure. around me to collaborate yeah. with and feel like I was part of a unit that way. As opposed to competing. I think, yeah, because I think I had felt on my own for a long time. Yeah, I imagine. Well, yeah. only kid thing is kind of, I, mean, I always, I always make assumptions about only kids and I'm always wrong. <laughs> like the, the, like they're selfish. They don't know how to No, share. no. My, my thing is like, you know, we're, it was always sort of like, were your parents more worried because there was not another one? Right. And, and none of them have really said yes. Yeah. Yeah. I no. don't know. Yeah. I don't think that it yeah. wasn't my experience. Because that would sure. be my thoughts. Like you're it. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't die. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's three, I can lose one. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so no. you did that. Uh, did the Onion? Then you move on. When do you start doing TV stuff? So I, I, I did the Onion. I uh, they I was an intern, and then they hired me to be an assistant when they there were two very short lived shows one on IFC and one on Comedy Central that the Onion, Onion News. did Onion News Network was the IFC one yeah. and Onion Sports Dome was on Comedy Central and I was the writer's assistant for that so you're in the room typing in the room uh, typing tip, type, listening to a bunch <laughs> of men make jokes exactly <laughs> actually they were I gotta say all like all the Onion Sports Dome writers were very they like they were all men don't get yeah. me wrong but they were very sweet oh, um, good. well behaved men yeah. but um so yeah, did that and then kind of had an interesting thing happen where, you know, then this becomes like 2010, 2011 and Twitter becomes a place where people are writing jokes, just yeah. like little one-liner things, sure. which I was pretty used to doing from, you know, doing onion headlines. And this 2010? This is 2010 to yeah. So Twitter's been like 2 years or Yeah, you know, I, I guess. It's just starting to take 2008 off. 2009, I'm not yeah, sure yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it but it was that time when like like Rob Delaney for example sure. was like, was you know, was yeah, hitting yeah. huge because doing his weird 
Yeah, doing yeah. his Twitter jokes. And so uh, and so I started doing that and getting a little bit of attention that way. And when The Onion ended, like when those seasons were up, I said, like, I think it's time to move to L.A. I, like, I want to be a TV writer. It feels like even though I love New York, I've been here a while. It feels like I have a better chance of becoming a TV yeah. writer out in L.A. Yeah. Uh, and so I moved to L.A. in January of 2011. And uh, in, I think, February? No, March. Yeah. I get a DM from 80 Miles, the head writer yeah, of Late Night sure. with Jimmy Fallon at the time, saying, hey, I like you on Twitter. Do you want to submit a packet or whatever? I did. I got the job. Go I'm, back to New York. I go back to New York three months <laughs> later from when I packed up. 80 Miles. So it was at the beginning of the uh, it was pretty close Fallon to the, run? Yeah, it was pretty close to the beginning. It was like 2000. I think Fallon took over in like 2009. Uh-huh. This was two th- so it was like two years into the run. Wow. Who's in the writer's room? Um, at the time, it was, I'm trying to think of who you would know. This guy, Jeremy Bronson, was the head monologue writer. Yeah. Uh, Justin Shane's a very yeah. dear, good friend of mine to this day. Uh, Eric Legend, huh. Amy Ozel's, Patrick Borelli. I know him. Yeah. 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 He's Bre- a Boston guy. Boston guy. Yeah. yeah. I love Borelli. But so you're on the monologue crew? So what happened was as I was, hi- they were looking for sketch writers and I was hired as a sketch writer um, and it's pretty quickly realized I was horrible at sketch writing. Really? Yeah. Like not horrible, just like. Like my- what, goofy desk pieces? Yeah, yeah, and- yeah. Just yeah. like games, yeah, goofy yeah. desk pieces. Like it just wasn't. My thing, my yeah. thing was, it, I kept getting reoriented back to like joke writing, right? You know, and so yeah. what it was was, as a sketch writer, you were you were welcome to submit monologue jokes, and yeah. so I did that, and then I started getting enough on that they were like, well, either I got enough on or I got enough not on on the sketch side that they were like, do you want to switch over and become a monologue writer? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I did. I, so that was it, the first big writing job. That was the first big writing job. Yeah, late night. And how long do you stay there? I was there from April 2011 to February 2013. So like a little under two years. That's very specific, joke writing. Very specific. I Monologue mean, joke writing especially and now you're so the, specific. Uh, like the co-creator of this big, you know, comedy, you know, show that's about a life. I mean, how how do you make the jump? What's the next step in the evolution from just writing one-liners for Fallon mm-hmm. to you know? Brought, I, where do you go next? So that's, I, I guess my question is: at some point, someone taught you. Something, yeah, yeah, right. Or, um, the, or the experience did. I think what it was is like I was, I was, you know. The late night experience was great because yeah. it taught, you know, it's like joke writing boot camp in a way. You have sure. to write so many every day, but it was also like extremely uh, exhausting. And Limited too, in a way. I yeah, think. yeah. You have, yeah, yeah. you know, you're writing jokes about the news yeah. that day and that's all you're you're doing. And so I knew that I wanted to write more about characters and people. And so I left and pretty quickly after I got hired, my, fir- my first narrative job was a show called Hello Ladies, which... You probably wouldn't remember, but it was Stephen Merchant's show oh, on yeah. HBO. Was it like a one season thing? It was just one season. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. Um, yeah, but that was wonderful because I'm a huge Stephen Merchant fan uh-huh. and, and got to got be a sweet boss. So sweet. Was really, Fallon all right? He's sweet too, right? Really sweet. Yeah. Really sweet guy. Yeah. I like going on Fallon. It's weird because yeah. he got so much flack at, at first for being so goofy and childlike. I know, but it's I like know. 
but he's a genuine audience. Yeah. Like when you go out there, all he's he's just sort of like, are you going to do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing is like I could see if the truth is is like yeah. that is Jimmy. He's yeah, yeah, you know yeah. he's a big kid in that way, and so yeah. it's like that it's he, authentic to who he is. He likes when you do it. Yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. Like ready to laugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, oh, so hello, ladies. Hello, so. ladies. So that was a kind of shorter job, but lucky to learn a lot from what, him. Was but, that where? What did you did you write a script? I there? didn't write a script there. It was it was a quick job, and I was just a staff writer, so like okay. lowest on the totem pole, right. so didn't get a script. But the place that then I did learn um, pretty much everything about how to write TV comedy narrative is from Mike Schur on um, Parks and Rec. I went to Parks and Rec, and I worked there for the last two seasons. Huh. And then I worked on The Good Place, Mike Schur's next show, for all four seasons so of he, that. Oh, um, so he liked you. I guess, yeah. <laughs> so Parks and Rec, well, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. It was. And you're working with Polar? Yeah, Polar, who, yeah, was a massive. I was very, I have never been more nervous to do anything in my life than start that show because it was it was in the sixth season and it was my favorite show is that the, was, how many were there there were seven okay. so i was on for the last two got it um, got it right yeah, yeah you yeah. know mike sure was one of my favorite writers yeah. i was a massive harris whittles fan he was in yeah. the room joe mandy like this writer's room was stacked with people i was massive fans of the cast was stacked with people is that where you met mandy yeah that's where i met mandy and do you give him this job he's got now <laughs> he, i was lucky that mandy came aboard hacks yes. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I learned so much about writing TV from, from Mike and from that room and, and the good place and, and yeah. So those were the, where you wrote your first episodes. That's where I wrote my first episode. Yeah. So you'd break them in the room, then go out and write them. Break them in the room and go out and write them. Yeah. And come back and break them again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Right. Hopefully right. only. Maybe a couple tweaks. Only some dialogue tweaks yeah, and yeah. changes. But you never. Yeah. Sometimes it's a full rebreak. And what was. Um, when did you do the uh, the Broad City stuff? So in my time uh, at UCB, the uh, at, in a sketch group at UCB, yeah. I, I was in a sketch group with Lucia and Yellow, who became obviously my co-collaborator and and best friend wow, to so this. Wow, so you go for that far back. That far back, yeah, yeah. 2007. We At were in UCB. A, yeah, yeah. It's like it was an offshoot of UCB. It was some UCB people who were yeah. doing stuff on the side, and I met her doing that, and yeah. then I met Paul Downs through her, and so- 2000 were, what? 2007, 2008. Really? Yeah, yeah. So we've known each other a very long time. Wow. And I was kind of just instantly, they were the funniest people in the world to me, and I just wanted to stay in their orbit. So- huh. Throughout this whole career, you know, Onion and Fallon and that, like, they've been, you know, two of my best friends and we always stayed in in touch. But also, yeah. like, you know, they, they, I would sometimes, like, do, you know, punch up on Paul's, like, uh, sketch specials uh -huh. or, or, you know, and then... And then, yes, we worked more closely together on Broad City, which I did in between seasons of Parks and Rec. That was my first time doing Broad City was in between season six and, and Paul seven. Paul was on there? Yep. Paul's on there. Yeah. Did he act on that too? He did. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, he, plays, he plays Trey, the um, the gym gym trainer. Right, gym right, owner. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. what about with the one in Maria? When were you working with Maria? Oh, Maria Bamford, yeah. who my favorite- my favorite. I figured, yeah. Uh, we so after Parks and Rec ended, uh, my 
in between Parks and Rec and Good Place, the yeah. show that I worked on was Lady Dynamite for Netflix. Now, how was that as a, an experience? Because, you know, Maria has a specific thing that is specifically Maria. Yeah. And Hurwitz, is that who that was? Yeah, Mitch Hurwitz. Mitch yeah. Hurwitz also uh, a kind of a, an out there guy, a guy yeah. willing to take risks. Yeah. So, like, I mean, Broad City was was interesting and good and new. But Parks and Rec and The Good Place were pretty established you know, yeah. shows. Yeah. But imagine walking into Lady Dynamite. It was like going into orbit somehow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, I think what it is is like it was kind of this very lovely meeting of minds and that Maria is such a genius, unique brain. Yeah. Mitch is also that. But Mitch is so also, you know, Arrested Development is incredible and he's so good at story and structure so like he is is has that and then also pam brady um was the showrunner who someone who you know done a ton worked on south park forever very established like person who knows how to make television movie and so it was a really good collaborative process in that way because i think you know like you're saying maria's it's not you don't naturally see Maria stand up as amazing as it is and go, oh, here's how that could be a narrative right. television show. Um, but I think that it, it's indicative of what I really love about television is that it was just a collaborative process. It yes. was it wasn't just Maria going, here's what I want to do. And let's can you write that up for me? Thanks. Bye. It was very all three of their brains at the top of the show and then the writer's room working to figure it out. That's amazing. Yeah, because like, it, how do, there was what, three seasons? Um, two, seasons. two seasons. I did the first season and then I had to, I left for Good Place. But yeah, I did the first season. And Good Place, that was must have been a fun crew. It was very fun. I like Kristen a lot. Kristen's great. Love Kristen. One of and my Ted's wild too. <laughs> really good. Ted is <laughs> Ted is an incredible actor because you you know he he could be an asshole like his pedigree suggests like hey maybe he'll be a jerk but hey he's earned it and he is the nicest kindest also so like hey did I get that right yeah so open to real hearing actor. yeah real actor like I, really lovely. When was the last time you watched Body Heat? Oh my gosh, a long time. It's crazy to see him in I that. I bet, I bet. This weird dancing DA. I He's know. always dancing around. <laughs> I just wonder whose so, choice that was. I, I think know. I must have asked him when I, I talked know. to him. He's so, he's incredible. He is such a obvious on-screen person is amazing, but like off-screen too, so wonderful to work with. And yeah, that was, that was, it was another thing where, you know, the the lovely thing about my career is like all these people that I've came up with like my best friend Darcy Carden was also in the cast of that show and so I got to work with her for four years like it's all these people that I met at UCB or through offshoots of UCB that we're all kind of now working that's together. That's the way it works. That's, see, that's the difference between sketch and stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> well, you must see, I mean, Look, you I, see, yeah. yeah. Well, I know the guys, you know, yeah. sure, like, you know, but they're still doing stand-up. Sure, Some of them sure. build shows and whatnot, yeah. but 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 in terms of, of coming up around sketch and improv is that you do kind of meet a, a variety of people doing different things, mm-hmm. you know, acting and writing and everybody sort of you know, engaged in that. You know, yeah. it's not just this sort of like, you know, I only do me. Exactly. Like it's all, <laughs> yeah. It all has to come through me. Right. And then, exactly. You know, yeah. Uh, so they're kind of available and kind of looking for stuff. Right. You know? Right. But so how does, when do you start, whose concept is Hacks? What? How does that unfold? So, yeah. Because so, I like the show and I shouldn't. 
I, you, you know, when I when I first turned it on, I'm like, let's see if they get the comedy yeah, thing right. Yeah, well, I have to say, it is a tremendous compliment that you like it because when we started making the show, all we, you were saying was like, "Will Mark Marin? Will like Mark Marin like this?" Yeah, that was we put it on the top of <laughs> the, the whiteboard. whiteboard. Yeah, <laughs> make sure Marin likes. But it. we were like, "Will standups tear this apart?" Like we we were very. Uh, like wanted to be deferential to this form. Well, how does it start though? How do you come up with this thing? Wh- whose concept? So basically, Paul Lucci and I had worked together on a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Kept working together. Yeah. Best friends, travel together, all that. And right. so, on a we were Paul was shooting a special for Netflix, uh, a, a, a sketch special called The Characters, and this was in. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. This was in twenty fifteen. Okay. And he, Lucia was directing some and writing, you know, writing it with him. And yeah. I, they asked me to come along just for like punch up. And you know, uh-huh. that's kind of what we do. We, we, I, I trick them into letting me collaborate with them on everything. Right. And, uh, and so we drive up to, he was performing at a monster truck rally in Portland, Maine. They, he has a, <laughs> he has a character called Jasper Cooch. Okay. And Jasper Cooch was going to uh, kind of MC for the this show monster, or... for, for the sketch. Yeah. Okay, MC okay. this monster truck rally. Uh, and we're driving up to Maine and we're just kind of talking about we're talking about female standups, particularly that like we kind of felt me, you know, there was just a they're talked about in a different light. They're not it's maybe like, there's fewer of them. There's fewer of them because it was a markedly harder path for them sure. to get famous um, and known. And we just start talking about kind of women like that. And then also kind of talking about this thing that happens about like comedy and cool comedy and comedy that people look down on you know this idea of like why is some comedy you know why is someone like for example kathy griffin who's so funny and so accomplished but like maybe you know I someone would look down on what she's done as not as like cool as other comedy. Well, that, it used to be that way with Robin Williams. Yeah, and that's why I interviewed Robin Williams because I got you know whether I was a huge fan of Robin or not, he's still Robin Williams. Exactly. And to hear these young idiots sort of like <laughs> Ugh, Robin Williams, what a hack! I'm like, do you even know what you're fucking saying? Yeah. The guy did everything you want to do and right. more, and you're going to be like, Neh. exactly. And so we kind of like felt it was a very fertile ground, not to just make a show about stand-up because that had been done and, and you know, but make had it, it... Well, no. <laughs> well, like what? What are you thinking? Uh, what, 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 uh, Seinfeld? But that's not really even yeah, a show about stand Yeah, Seinfeld. Or I don't, I don't know. Or it just felt like... I guess the point is like when you pitch a show, you can't just say it's about a stand-up. It's yeah, yeah. like the thing that was the meat of it that really kind of got us talking and we felt energized by was this idea of this clash between older and younger generations yeah. about a lot of things but right. when it comes to comedy like what is cool what is not why do why does someone who stands on the shoulder of this person then say like eh but what they did is hacky and not good sure oh yeah that's just insecurity and jealousy usually, <laughs> usually yeah <laughs> um, but but yeah so then you know we, we just start talking about that idea and it kind of stuck in our you know I don't know if you have this with ideas or ideas for stand-up, but like the things like you have an idea and then sometimes it just drifts away and you never think about it again. You don't do it. But this one kind of like kept coming around. We kept having little we had like an email chain where we would just email each other like, oh, this could be an episode or this could be a joke. But I I thought that the 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 idea to set it, the reason why I took to it is because you took a very specific stand-up career and, and it's one that's that's. It's almost singular. It's, it doesn't. 
it's not the grind mm-hmm. you know it's it's the sort of the putting out to passion it's the it's where a certain type of performer ends up in yeah. Vegas right so like that's a, a very uh, specialized life yes yeah and 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 it, it enabled you to avoid a lot of the problems that could happen with with care with a stand-up life right doing it like a strictly showbiz in Los Angeles right yeah. because because I think getting that thing right you know this sort of indulgence and uh, comfort of having uh, uh, like uh, what do you call it a residency yeah. that goes on forever right. yeah because there are a few guys that have that yeah that'll... but it's not that many no 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 yeah. so so I thought that was like you you kind of insulated yourself in a world and, yeah and were able to explore it without me going like they don't fucking get coming <laughs> you know right well I'm glad I, to hear that yeah and I mean I knew people like you know I knew some of the women you know back in the day like Brett Butler for mm-hmm. some reason stands out in my mind yeah that that could have been where she ended right. up you know like that right. and, and the whole backstory i thought was kind of genius too because i know caroline ray very well i mean mm-hmm. there were definitely yeah. women of a certain generation caroline's not as old as gene obviously but um but where the, it seemed plausible to me yeah yeah well it's also the thing of in our show deborah gene smart's character like she goes out there She's proud of what she's built out there, but it's also a little bit of a, a, sh- a being shunned by the L.A., New York machine and world and kind of insulating yourself in that Vegas world. And I don't, I've never spoken to a comic who has a residency, residency there. I don't know how they would feel, but it's interesting to ask yourself, because as far as Deborah, she does have a chip on her shoulder about kind of not being accepted because by... Of- her husband and exactly, what happened to the exactly. talk show. Well, I mean, I think a lot of those people that get that, they're actually tr- true comics. Yeah. Is what the issue is. Right. It's not so much that they failed, but it's just like, you know, they started out as comics. They probably had several shots right. to do other things and they ended up as comics. Yeah. And then they just go do that thing. Right. That's, that is the, a career of a comic. Right. Which is of a certain type. Yeah. Which it's like, it's almost strange that that isn't seen in and of itself as a massive accomplishment you know like it's this need to like ask comics to do other things is interesting like i'm curious how you feel like are you like i am a comic through and that is like that is the thing i want to do at the end of the day and and acting and all the other stuff is kind of yeah, as time goes on, that's sort of it, that's true. I mean, that's what I set out to do, and at my core, I am that. Yeah, but I'm definitely not. The, I don't even want to play a casino, so I'm not that kind of comic. Uh huh. Like I don't want to. I, Why I don't, don't you want to? Just because curious. I don't. I don't feel like my audience. They'd rather not go there. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I mean, I know my audience. Right. It's not huge, but it's good. Yeah. And you know, if I don't have to drag them to the casino. They'll, yeah, they'll be happier. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I could, you know, I could do a little theater. I could do right. a club yeah. where they'd feel more comfortable as opposed to being sucked into that world. Right. right. I don't love that world, but I get yeah. it. I get that show business. Right. right. But uh, but in terms of like, you know, you got George Wallace, you got uh, Brad Garrett. Yeah. You got who else do I know? Like, well, Joan Rivers had these. Yeah, some yeah. of them had runs forever. Yeah. Where it, Caratop's been out there for decades. Caratop's it seems. been a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, uh, the, I mean, the question is, I see myself as a comic, but I, I guess your question is like, you never understood how these comics, are, like what, what happens exactly. There was a whole model in place mm-hmm. where, you know, you, the, the big goal was to get a show built around your character. 
On TV. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, once that didn't work out, right. then the only other option is, well, you can host something. Right, right. So either you're going to be the center of a show, or you're going to host something, or you're going to mm-hmm. be, like, a side player. Right. I guess that's sort of the thing that I have, like, an aversion to is, like, the, um, and again, this is just show business, how it works, and money is probably the answer just to these things. But, like, why is this this, um, why is there this, like, never ending like well but what else what else do you want to do even now having a show which i'm very proud of people will say like well are you going to do another show like what's what's are you going to have like a bunch of shows? you're going to produce a bunch of shows? you know yeah. like there's this it's never enough and so it's interesting that as a, a super successful comic who's asking that though if that's the industry asking <laughs> that it's well it's not that it's never enough they're just sort of like they want to get a jump on it maybe but- maybe yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, like, you developing anything? You working on anything? Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you're the the symbiotic thing that, or it, maybe it's not symbiotic. What, how, whatever the dynamic is between, you know, agents, you know, yeah. managers, networks, right, and and in in development. Yeah, I mean, it's never just sort of like we're just curious, uh, you know, as a friend, <laughs> you know, yeah. like what are you working on? Yeah, you yeah, know? no, no, that well, that's what I mean. I guess the answer in the end of the day is money. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's also keeping the ball rolling. They get they get invested. You know, yeah. once you're. Uh, a commodity, yeah. Right. I mean, they want to run money through you. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's interesting is like if a comic was just like, I don't want a show based around me. I'm a, I want to do stand-up. You know, like it's... it's. Well, there are guys who have done that. I mean, you yeah. know, Hannibal Burris famously, you know, kind of quit SNL. Yeah. To, and I think Mulaney might have in a yeah. way yeah. Uh, to do other things and ended up as a stand-up. And like Carlin talks about all the time that at some point he realized like, I can't act. Right. I'm a comic and I got to yeah. figure out how to make this work, right. you know, but I think it was the business of the 80s. Mm-hmm. It became this huge business. Right. Giving comics development deals to try to make, you know, make uh, their... Everybody Loves Ray yeah. or Jerry. I mean, Brett Butler got a shot, you know, Roseanne. There were all these shows, Tim Allen. They were built around that, her generation, yeah. Deborah's yeah. Uh, generation of comics. Right. Yeah. And also the other thing is, what are you going to do, man? I mean, how are you going to like... <laughs> You know, there's so many comics that just fall away, or right. they. You, 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 how are you going to retire? How are you going to age out of this thing? Right. How are you going to save fucking money? Right, right. I mean, to see the guys that are 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 sort of um, sentenced to the road out of mm-hmm. no choice. Yeah, it's rough, man. Right. There's not. Yeah, the, uh, TV and movies and those opportunities the, uh, give give you more stability and security. If you that can way. keep them going, but everyone ages out of that shit. So like something like that that happens with uh, the character of Deborah is like a, it's a real gift. I mean, it, it could afford you the ability to to at least have a a, a, a a second part of your life that isn't desperate. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking about like that that episode in this season where she I don't know where you're at. Are they, are they showing them all yet? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. they're all done. Yeah, where she meets a woman that you know was doing comedy with yeah. her. That was so such a real thing. Yeah, and of course her ego was like that. I ruined it, but <laughs> but it was such a you know that happens and it's always weird. It's always but, weird. Yeah, but, but as I get older, I'm I'm always thrilled to meet somebody that has gotten out and done okay. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I, I feel that like I we, we talked a lot of in the room as we wrote that episode about this feeling of when you meet when you run into someone who quit or, or stopped doing it. You think and, that they, they must think they're a failure. Yeah, it's so it's it's like so funny how like the you Deborah's the way Deborah handled is like, oh, I'm pitying her and then realizing like, no, she's pitying me. <laughs> I'm the pathetic <laughs> one because I'm yeah. desperately doing a stand up show at four thirty in the afternoon at, at a, a cow fair. at a state fair. Um, 
Yeah, the the twisted kind of like the, this idea that we have about show business, uh, you know, about how it's like this revered thing. Yeah, and most people think we're just wasting time. <laughs> I know. They're like, what do you? <laughs> is that even a real job? Yeah. What do you do? I know. But but I think it speaks to our fear as well. Like how because when I started the podcast, I was kind of washed up or not washed yet or something, mm-hmm. but it wasn't happening. Yeah. Though I was still engaged and and had done enough. It was just sort of how do I take the next step and there's no how do you quit this game yeah and it's 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 the same with writing yeah because like it's all up to you anyways so you know either you don't realize you're done you know and it becomes sad it's become sad yeah someone else tells you you're done yeah and you fight that yeah there's no way your ego can you know takes a very sort of strange and humbled ego to bow out of this thing yeah I know. know if it's not working out but it is int- like when you meet someone and they're doing great. Why do you think that is that it gives you a sense of relief to me? Because oh, I'll tell you, what, I know the, what it is when for they me. get out. Yeah, I know what, what, it, is. what is it is for me. It's it's even though I'm very lucky to do what I do and yeah. I'm at a very good moment yeah. in my career. It, it's the fantasy of that. I could not do it and be okay. <laughs> sure. I think it's the fantasy of of the 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 torturous parts of the creative process being free of them. I think is what it is. I guess for me like I don't in my, in my mind like I didn't have any choices. Like I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. And I and as you get older that those even get farther away. Yeah. Like whatever the idea is, like I could teach or, you know, what whatever that, you know, like I'm, right. like I'm not going to work at a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. like those things start to go away. And then what I start to realize, the reason that, you know, I'm glad they're doing okay is because I think there is uh, uh, priorities that, that people choose yeah. over this kind of like need to do this creative thing. Right. Like whether they're willing to take the hit on the creative thing to have families or live in a different place or, you know, enjoy life, period. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And and if I can look at them and see that they are actually doing that, I'm like, well, good for you. Yeah. But I always look sort of like, really, though? I mean, (laughs) I'm the asshole. It's like, you're happy, though, Yeah. But that but you need that's the like sick part of us that keep makes us keep doing it. But yeah, but I like the idea that like the the other the one who had gotten out pitied Deborah. Yeah. 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 Because there's so many of them and there's so like I don't know what happens to a lot of them. And at the comedy store, you know, you go to the comedy store and there's just this there's eight by tens everywhere of, you know, like going back 50 or 60 years of people that have come through there. And every once in a while, one will come in in real life and you'll be like, oh, my God. Wow. To the guy from the picture. To do to do a set or or there's this moment where you're like, where have you been, man? Mm -hmm. And they a lot of them find their way, you know, or it it might not be great. but they're It's also like I think like thinking about it makes me consider luck and how big of a part of that it is and and how everything you know kind of coming together everything the, coming together the cosmic timing exactly that. like that's also what i i used to find it so unfair that it was such a big part of it and now i just kind of go like well it's the way the it's, world I, it's i think it's it, i don't know if it's just luck because a lot of times you know it's 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 some it's somehow everything kind of coming together it's not lucky though you make decisions about casting yeah you you know i think the luck of it just comes on on behalf of somehow an executive made a decision to say okay sure exactly it's it's, it's certainly not just luck sure but 
yet I can speak to a number of writers who, you know what I mean? Like this very talented people sure. who it hasn't happened in one way or another for, and that is the part of it that you just go, yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's tough the, business. Yeah. The stars align. Why'd you do it? <laughs> I had no choice. Like Get you said, out. I had yeah. no choice. Right. Right. <laughs> Right, because like now I'm I'm sad because when people are like, if if uh, I wanted to start doing comedy, what would you say? Like, nah, we're all filled up. <laughs> no vacancy. Come back later. Yeah, but but I don't even know. I'm just old now. You know what I mean? I There's know. two or three generations behind me, and they're doing okay, I guess. Yeah, I don't know who they are. A lot of them, but they seem to be doing okay. But I don't know. The entire business is different. What okay means now is something I may never see. Right. There could be a guy that just bought his third house <laughs> doing a very popular thing, and I don't even know how to get it on my phone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's, it's changing. It feels like it's changing li- at lightning speed, too. Yeah. I, I, it, it, it's just watching these the actual networks kind of like just desperately hang on, yeah. you know? It's kind of wild. <laughs> yeah. But like but like something like Hackso, it seems popular. You're doing good, right? In terms of this, yeah. the marketplace anyway. Yeah, we, we've, we hit a, a lucky thing where it seems like we got critics on our side, but also there's a, a general audience as well. People like it. People like it, yeah. What's it on? Uh, it's on HBO Max. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But not. But that. is that this difference? Is that different than HBO? HBO is the like more linear. Like you have to have cable and have HBO. It, like, but it, but it's also on HBO. Our show is on HBO Max, but okay. not HBO. Oh. But HBO. Here's the trick. Yeah. HBO shows are on, on HBO. HBO and HBO Max. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so the, is there, has that stuck in your craw? No, no, right. no. Thanks, taking my. It's probably better. It's that. on the streaming service better yeah i mean i it most people i know that's how they watch everything I just have hbo apple, anyway. I just apple tv right and, and then it aggregates it. everything yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. It. and i get through hulu i get my cable through hulu yeah because i'm not a sports guy there's no reason for me to have a fucking dish on my roof right a right. wire coming into my house <laughs> <and> just <laughs> right but uh well that's great and how did what was casting what people. was the casting like i mean it, so we 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 sold the show to hbo max and and we knew that it kind of like lived in you know died by who plays deborah vance like it's a, it's a very tricky thing and did you think of comics no we mm. kind of i mean not you know not that there aren't many wonderful comics who are also incredible actors but we knew that the show we wanted the tone to be kind of equally comedic and dramatic yeah and so to us we needed an actor an that actor embodied that an actor an actor yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and so pretty quickly Jean's name was at the top of the list because she's so skilled at doing both sides yeah. of that um and sent her the script and had fingers crossed for a few days and then we got the word that she wanted to meet about it oh great yeah. and hannah where'd she come from so Han- they're both so good. They're so, so funny. Good. Together. Everyone's good. Paul's good. And, uh, Everyone. Uh, yeah, yeah. Our casts were very lucky. Um, basically, it was it was the opposite of the Gene. You know, Gene. It was like, okay, let's yeah. get Gene Smart. Thank God we did. 
the search for Ava was a very exhaustive. I, I think I looked one time of all the self tapes we'd received because it was during COVID. So everybody yeah. was just taping at home or maybe it was right at the beginning of COVID. So yeah. some people were auditioning in person. But I looked at the packet of all the actors and comedians who had auditioned for Ava and I think I counted and it was like 450 oh my God. tapes we'd seen. Um, and Hannah was just, you know, she was doing stand up and she, you know, came into the casting director's yeah. office and she did a self-tape and Paul Lucci and I are sitting watching, you know, every day we would get 20 tapes that we had to yeah. watch and, and she really stuck out to us. Uh-huh. Um, and then kind of continued to, in the process, you know, she comes in for a callback. Yeah. We say, oh, wow, there's really something here. And yeah. uh, and that was kind of how it happened. Yeah. Huh. And then once, you know, once they do their chemistry tests, Gene and Hannah, that, that was kind of like, game over it was oh, yeah. they had they had such good instant chemistry oh yeah yeah it was really that's cool. great it was really cool and who's the woman that plays paul's assistant Meg Stalter. what's her trick <laughs> so she was she kind of became known doing um instagram videos uh, front-facing camera videos uh-huh. are you familiar no with? okay what does that mean i mean it just means like you're holding your phone up yeah. and you're you know turning the camera and then you're just like doing your bit straight to camera sure. that way yeah um yeah, I do and that. she she was crazy funny on yeah. those and we knew of her through that and then she she does stand up you know she's an incredible performer too and paul was booked on a show with her um and just was like, yeah, Meg is so funny. We have to, uh-huh. we have to write this for her. Oh, good. And that dude who plays uh, Deborah's assistant, uh, the actor, Carl Carl Clemens Hopkins, actor. Yeah, um, he's very good. Yeah, they're they're theater. Uh, theater. Yeah, and huh. then Mark and Delicato plays Deborah's assistant, Damien. He he was a child actor, was on Ugly Betty, so someone who's been in the business for a very long time. You know, casting's one of those things, like, it's just weird chemistry. Like, it's yeah, putting no, these know. people together, yeah. and um, so we feel very lucky. And you got an Emmy for the script? Yeah. The three of you? Yeah. That's great. Thanks. <laughs> it was exciting, right? It was. It was very. It was very exciting. It was very cool, and, and, and not honestly not. Even though we were nominated, not expected that we would win. Yeah, and this season I thought was good. I thought it held together. I didn't know. Like I was. I was skeptical coming out of the second season to to see her in comedy clubs because I wonder how that went. Mm-hmm. But the, I think what's established that the reason it works is that she did have an audience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, at some point. Yes, yeah. And, and in and, Vegas. Yeah, yeah. and still so, does have a niche right. audience. That's yeah. right. Yes. So that was like what really kind of put it over. The, yeah. You know, that made it work. Yeah. So wait, so now what? Uh, now are you guys waiting for a pickup or you got one? We are waiting to officially hear, yeah. Looking good though, right? I think so, yeah. All right. Well, I like it and uh, it was great talking to you. Very lovely talking to you. Thanks for having me. There you go. That was a good talk. I enjoyed it. I liked it. Season two of Hacks just finished up. You can watch uh, both seasons on HBO Max. And now I enjoyed this piece of guitar work I just did. I'm going to do for you now.
Fonda, cat angels everywhere. 